Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut, and every Tuesday you will be spending more time with me. <laughs> and sometimes I will be bringing some friends along as I take you through various leading ideas that I find interesting and worthy of your time in the personal finance world today. I've decided to call this segment First Dips, hoping that you and I can get first dips on these leading ideas. Okay, it's nearing the end of year season. So a lot of you are paying taxes, you know, in company tax, you know, income tax, all those things, right? So I know a lot of people are managing their taxes, especially if you are self-employed, you know, but for a lot of other people, you know, tuning in weekly, maybe you, know, you don't really need to care so much about your taxes because Singapore does have a very simple tax structure and uh, what happens is you receive a form, you know, <laughs> receive a, an email or maybe not email, right? you receive a letter and then there'll be like this QR code where you can can and just pay, right? <laughs> so I think that's that's kind of the idea. But uh, I think there are a few little things here and there that we can expand on to kind of understand a little bit more on the Singapore tax structures and what can you do about it. And maybe some things here and there that people didn't really realize. Oh, it's like that one. So today I'm going to spend some time to talk a little bit about the three big buckets of taxes you and I, we pay as Singaporeans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So good morning everyone I welcome you to another day With the Financial Coconut In this podcast Bunking Financial Myths Discovering best financial practices And discussing financial strategies That fits our unique life You get it Ultimately empowering us Create a life we love While managing our finances Well My name is Reggie A.K.A. Your Chief Financial Coconut And welcome to my show Called First Dips Yeah I love it It's a new name Finally I have a new name I think someone was saying Maybe we can call it Tuesday Tweets Or something I'm like bro Tuesday say tweets, you know, I will like get like 500 unfollows or something. <laughs> so whatever, right? All, all that with this will all be running gags for a while. But welcome back to uh, this week's episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about the tax structure, right? So a few of the big ticket taxes. I know some people, you know, you own a car, you own a yacht, you own a few other weird things, right? That most people don't own or at least most people that tune in every week, they may or may not own and that's up to you to kind of figure out. I'm just going to talk about three big buckets of taxes that most Singaporeans will pay. So yes, uh, tax season, not everybody loves tax season. Nah, I get it, nah, right? Suddenly now you got to pay for taxes. Nah. But in the grand scheme of things, honest, nah, honest, okay? Don't say I'm government dog or something, nah. honest, okay? 
Singapore does have a relatively lean tax structure. Yes, a big part of your money ends up in CPF, okay? Right from the get-go, 37% of your income ends up in CPF. That is fair point, I get it. And some people will call that pseudo-tax. Ayo, but my, okay, my view is, my view is, would you rather be taxed and spent now directly or would you rather put aside a bunch of money and then spend the dividend of it? I think most people will want that, right? So then if we do it on a collective scale where we pull money together under CPF and then we spend the dividends of it, right? We do, we do, right? CPF money passed to MAS, MSL, CPF, a special bond, okay? That's only sold to CPF. That's why you get this interest rate. And then MAS allocate the money to GIC, to Masik, whatever fund management that is state-owned or maybe private-owned but run by the state. Okay, we don't go there, but, but the idea <laughs> is they then go and make profit with the money collected and then a part of that comes back into our tax, you know, our, of our overall tax spend. And then, you know, we can build roads, lah, you know, uh, get nicer things here and there. You know, uh, like $1.50 swimming pool, which is very cheap. If you travel around the world, you know it's very cheap. So yeah, think about it. If you on your own will, will look to allocate some money aside to invest and only spend a dividend, when the state does it on a collective level, What's so bad about it? Okay, but it's up to you lah. Up to you, you know, which position you want to take. But I, I just thought it's an interesting idea. Rather than high tax, um, with like 30, 40, 50% tax, with tax and spend, we have taken a different route where we pull money together as collective and then we invest and then, you know, we spend the dividend, which is what you really want to do in your own private life. So in your personal expenses, it's like that. State runs it in this way also. So yeah, I think it's okay. Of course, the other camp will say, I then don't tax so much lah, you know. Then you become like, what, a neoliberal project? You become like, you know, pure capitalist, right? You want to privatize everything, blah, blah, blah. Guys, don't think of it that way, okay? I'm going to put it out there. I'm trying to influence your thoughts. Please do not think privatization will solve anything. Once you privatize something, there will be cost-cutting measures, you know, so that they can make profit, you know, uh, fellow Singaporeans will lose jobs, you know, that there, there a lot of all these other things that will come to play, right? Of course, the standard argument is, oh, you know, but we become more efficient, blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay, I kind of get the argument, but in the prolonged period, over extended period of time, once monopolies are established, you know, all these ideas collapse. Just look at the London rail structure, you know, look at the the US healthcare structure. You know, there are many, many, many examples all over the world to suggest to you that privatization is not the way to go. Of course, the other side also is valid, right? You have a lot of state-run structures all over the world that has embroiled in all these kind of rubbish or embroiled in scams, embroiled in... Uh, embezzlements and corruption, all that, those are, are valid also, right? So, so the idea here, the idea here is, is not about state-run versus private-run, right? It's just about recognizing that when it's state-run, there's a diminished profit interest, when it's private-run, it's all about profits. And so with this underlying interest, how do you then manage it, right? So if the state is not running well, go and petition the state, right? Tell them, hey, it is not working, protest, this is what you need to do. Okay, I didn't just say protest. <laughs> Singaporean, uh, it's a bit hard, la, okay? <laughs> That's a different different discussion altogether, not on this show, okay? But the idea here is if the state is not running well, put pressure on them so that they will run better. It's not all about privatization, okay? So, so I'm not a big fan of endless privatization. 
How did we end up here? Okay, but back to the main topic today. In other words, what I'm saying is Singapore is a relatively lean tax structure. As much as you want to believe that a big chunk of your money is like siphoned away from you right from the start, I get it because it enters CPF. But overall, the real tax that we pay is really not a lot. Like it really as an expense. Right? Because CPF eventually come back to you. Ma, right? The real tax, I mean tax and go out and doesn't ever come back to you. It's not that crazy. So then what are the three big buckets of taxes that you pay and what are my thoughts on it? Number one, okay, the first big bucket that you pay is consumption taxes, right? So including tariffs, right? So all your vices, you know, like whatever that's called vices, okay, alcohol, smoking, whatever. Okay, to me, there's no real vices because there's a moral position on those things. But that aside, that aside, uh, the state has decided to tax some of these things. So when they are taxed uh, in, in tariffs, uh, it directly translates to the spend that you spend. So you can also consider those things as consumption taxes. Of course, a lot of people will only associate it as GST, lah, which everybody knows, right? You don't really need me to, to go through. GST is GST, but behind, you know, there may be other tariffs that are not really discussed. They all can be classified as consumption tax. And I wanted to bring this up because a lot of people will say, oh, GST is regressive in nature. Like, in other words, it, the tax impact is bigger you know, on the poor than the rich, which I agree. Okay, I don't know which economies come out the other time, right? <laughs> I cannot remember the name. But come out and say, oh yeah, you know, actually the impact is bigger on, on the rich, you know, because they spend more, blah, blah, blah. Hello, brother, okay? The reality is... <laughs> The reality is, we're talking about tax on spend, yes, relative to the income that they make. So, because the middle class and the poor, we spend more of our money as a fraction of our income, the tax proportion, the impact of taxes is much bigger you know, on us, right? Because if let's say we make 5000 a month, which is already considered quite good, a right? median income and above, you make 5000 a month, you spend 3000 You spend 3000 you are taxed, right? You're taxed on the 3000 So as a fraction of your income, you actually, you are taxed on 60% of your income because you spend 60% of your income. But the rich and the wealthy, right? They, maybe they spend 1%, 5%, 10, 10% of their income. And so, they are taxed on 10% of their income because their expenses is that low relative to the income that they make. Right, so the outsized impact is on the mess. Okay, welcome to my rant on GST. Which is why we always say GST is regressive because it affects the quality of life. We are not talking about the absolute tax that people pay, right? It affects the quality of life for the mass. Okay, so I can say, yes, GST is regressive. But, uh, but, but all that being said, right? You know, I know it's a contentious topic. All that being said, I'm actually quite supportive of raising GST, okay? Because I understand where Suikit is coming from. Yes, my friend Suikit. GST is it's easier to tax flow than to tax wealth, right? Because when money moves around, right, it's very easy to track. And once you transact, it's there, right? So tax and spend, right? So, so I think that's kind of where I also share their position on this. And I want the ruling party today to then enshrine this idea that, okay, we will spend back the money in a particular way. Whether is it GSC, rebate, blah, 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 all that jazz, okay? But uh, sad to say, uh, sad to say, for most of us, the middle income, we do face an increased tax impact right? because a lot of the support packages are going to the poor, okay? Or the, or the below medium income, right? For, so for both of you tuning in, okay, welcome to more taxes on you. Essentially, right? <laughs> that's the situation. And some people will then ask, also, is there a way to siam GST? Okay, maybe go Malaysia. <laughs> 
go Malaysia and spend, then you can sell GST. Right? So consumption tax is the basis of where we are in our tax structure. I mean, corporate tax is also quite a big income for Singapore, you know, but our consumption tax is what you and I we will contribute a lot. Two. And then there's no real way out. Lah. That's why I put it at the first one. Easy. Okay. Easy. Huh? <laughs> Consumption taxes. There's no real way out of this. Once you consume, it's very easy to track because once the money moves, right, that's what it is. Okay. So it is what it is. I'm not going to teach you how to sell tax or whatever, you know, like people spend in cash. <coughs> <laughs> when you transact in cash, <coughs> a bit hard to track, you know, but generally all your big expenses, uh, you go to the restaurant, uh, you pay everything in, in like cards or in like digital payments. Right? All these are tracked and subjected to taxes, right? And your big, your buy your house, la, all that. It's it's all part of it. Anytime you consume, you are being taxed, and this is part of the tax structure in Singapore. Like you cannot see one. This one cannot avoid. Okay, which brings me to point number two. The next big bucket of tax that Singaporeans will pay is income tax. Okay, income taxes are very interesting. Uh, there are a few big pointers here under income taxes that you need to note, right? And we'll come back to you after a word from our sponsor. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, income tax. Ayo. Think la tosien. I know like, I get it, guys. You know, it's very normal. And I think we are going into a period where you start to receive all these letter loan, you pay tax, blah, 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 blah. And then you see like a few hundred or a few thousand dollars leave your bank account, right? You'll be like, oh, why? So I mean me gets. Okay, me gets. And it's very painful. Like, I I don't know. Nobody likes it. Who likes to pay taxes, right? But okay, let's let us take a breather and look at our roles, look at MRT. Really, Singapore's public. Uh, infrastructure is quite good lah, huh? for the price that we pay. So, but let, let us contextualize a little bit, okay? Contextualize a little bit. If let's say you make median income, okay, about 4.4,000 or 4.5,000, let's say you take 4.4,000 a month, huh? and assuming you, you have not done any SRS, law, any form of tax rebate activity or contribute CPF to your family, all that, okay, assuming nothing, huh? you make 4.4,000 a month, every year you, you have to pay about $600, $600 you know, worth of taxes. Right, so you amortized it, right? $600 over taxes, you amortized over the year. Every month, you maybe you pay $50. So. 
every month you pay $50, see the MRT move, you know, be on the road, have the pavement, have shelter walkway, have very horrible hotline service when you call. <laughs> horrible, I tell you, some of the government uh, institution, hotline service is horrible. Okay, but anyway, that's a different discussion. Okay? But generally, you're essentially paying $50 to kind of keep the country running with all these public facilities. And when you see it that way, right, you don't feel as bad anymore. Lah. Right, So I think that's kind of where I'm trying to drive towards in today's episode. Some small little things here and there that you can do and you can think about and get a bit more clarity on like, like what are we paying for? Like, like we tax, tax, tax. Where, where are we going with this money, right? So to be clear, income taxes, maybe about $50 a month. If let's say you make median income, it's not too crazy. Of course, some people will say, how about we do SRS, Supplementary Retirement Scheme? And I, I get it, man. You do SRS, you have a little bit more for tax rebate and, and all that, right? So I get it. You want to reduce your taxes a little bit? You want to do SRS? Okay, go for it. And I did an episode last year, right? You got to go all the way back to last year. I did it, you know, to talk a little bit about SRS and one of the things to look out for, the withdrawal period, you know, what are the tax exemption you can get with SRS, is there a cap, all those things. So check out the earlier episode. I'm not going to repeat those details here. Alternatively, I think a lot of people may not realize that if you contribute to your family's CPF, your grandparents, your parents, uh, especially the housewife or the house husband or the retired grumpy uncle or whatever, right? Whoever that, whoever that is your, your immediate family, you top up to their CPF, actually, you can also claim tax rebate. Right? So there are all these kind of things. The interesting things about CPF, the interest, most interesting thing about CPF here, right, is that if you contribute to CPF, you get the tax rebate. And what happens is when the money comes out of CPF, you are not taxed. Right? CPF money cannot be taxed. This one interesting, I think not everybody realized, right? So, but whereas if you put money in SRS, you, you do get similar kind of tax rebate. But when the money comes out of SRS, you are taxed. You are subjected to income tax based on how much you draw out of the SRS. Okay, this is something uh, important and very interesting, okay? Of course, as another interesting thing that a lot of people may not realize is your bonus, a commission, your allowance, uh, your club membership. Uh, let's say your company sponsor you to go to Tangling Country Club to network, uh, you know, <laughs> everything, everything, they're all taxed. They're all considered taxed. So you have to monetize and put it together and it will be taxed. Okay? While these things, they are not subjected to CPF, okay? The value of them, they are all put together as taxable income for the year, okay? So just note, uh, your, your free membership that your company gives you, you actually have to pay, okay? Of course, then you ask, uh, how do I calculate all these things, right? Can I don't calculate, you know? Ayah, Singapore mentality lah. Huh? Can I don't calculate? Man? I think this is not this is not unique to Singaporeans. But as the saying goes, right? Do what you need to do. Don't get caught, right? If you get caught, then uh, it is what it is lah. Huh? I will not go any further. If not, I get puff mud. Huh? <laughs> but if you want a simple way to calculate your taxes, actually, IRAS is quite a simple calculator, and IRAS should sponsor us, right? IRAS is a very simple tax calculator. You can just go on it, type in all the things. They will tell you essentially how much you need to pay, and then yeah, eventually when the form comes, IRAS give you the form say you need to pay then you just go and QR and pay now or go to AXS machine whatever it's, it's quite simple it's not that complicated but for a lot of people that you know uh, have full time job which is probably most of you tuning in uh, many of these things are already calculated by HR la. Uh, so Sally from HR will calculate for you and say ah okay ah, ni ni okay, to so, <laughs> so, so Sally from HR will calculate for you everything is fine okay but I think what where I'm going for is to recognize that uh, there are certain parameters you need to know your rights uh, what is taxable and what is not and uh, all these uh, supposed perks, right? Actually, many of them are taxable. And I don't want you to 
get creeped up. Okay, I don't want you to feel like, oh, hey, this one actually not taxable. Then why why am I paying, right? And uh, if let's say you are being taxed, it recognize that okay, all these are considered part of taxable income, which is why there was a period of time there was a lot of saga where a lot of influencers, right, they were needing to pay a lot of taxes because there are all these free gifts. The sponsor give them gifts instead of money, and then they take these gifts to go and like sell into like secondhand market so that they can monetize it, right? Because they need to feed themselves. They don't need. They cannot every day eat like. I don't know, facial masks or something, right? So, and then after that, they got slapped with taxes. So yeah, you, you get the idea, right? So recognize that the Singapore income tax is as such, right? It's progressive. You know, on average, we pay about a few hundred to the low thousand. If let's say, you know, you are making close to median income and uh, CPF cannot be taxed and many of these perks are considered taxable income. Okay, so all these will add into your income tax for the year and if find any discrepancy, hey, Come to us, we can talk a little bit about it and uh, hopefully we can help you get more clarity on your taxes. Which brings me to point number three, the next big tax that I think a lot of people will face, especially, you know, you and I, we're in our 30s, maybe not me yet, but eventually you get your house, you're going to face this thing called property taxes. And why I want to bring up property taxes? Because firstly, there's very high ownership okay, of property in Singapore, man, close to 80%, I think. But 80%, the last I recall, people own property. Right? So I'm the sad bunch of people that don't. Nah. Not yet, nah, okay? Not yet, okay? <laughs> no BTO for me yet. Nah. But eventually, eventually, I'll join all of you grinding out on uh, HDB property. I think, you know, it's an entitlement of uh, Singaporeans, right? So we'll see. That's a different discussion. But in the property tax space, there are two big bunch. Okay, one is the rental income space. The other is the ownership space. So rental, we start with a simple one, rental income, right? Following our point number two, which is income tax. Actually, rental income is considered income tax, right? So it's considered under your overall income and you overall income and then you'll be taxed under income tax. Of course, you can apply for waiver, but, but you need to know that all these income that you get from your property rental will be packaged together with your your income and then go to the tax bracket to then decide how much you pay at the end. Okay, so this is something that I think you need to recognize that, yeah, you, you're going to rent it out. You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, we're going to buy this property and buy the property and then we're going to rent it out and then blah, 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 blah. And then they don't realize that actually, hey, there are a few taxes levied on property and rental income is levied as part of the income tax structure. And to be clear, if you own a few properties and your income is quite good, I assume your income is quite good, right? That's why you can own a few properties, right? So if your income is quite good, you are already quite up there in the income bracket. And then you rent out your property, right? Okay, one month, let's say 3,000, you rent out three condos, one year, another 100 over 1,000. You move yourself further up on the income tax bracket. And you know, as Singapore's income tax, the higher you go, you end up paying more and more and more and more. Okay, so something to think about for all you multiple property owners, you know, you really don't want to be in a situation where your, your income tax just don't make sense. Okay, so something to think about, okay? And, and that is for rental income, okay? Property rental income adds to your income taxes. That's it. But for property taxes, okay, which is simply a tax on ownership, 
And this is the interesting one because recently there's been quite a few changes on this. And uh, it, it is essentially the talk of the town a few months ago. So I wanted to kind of bring this up. Right? The interesting part is how the property taxes are calculated. Right? So in Singapore, the actual value of your property today is not that important. Okay? It's not that important. Uh. <laughs> it's interesting. That means uh, if you sell this on the open market today, let's say you can fetch 500000 right? it doesn't really decide on how your property taxes are. It's not a direct value of how your properties are being priced. It's a bit weird one. Very, very cute one. Okay, so in Singapore, how is property tax determined? We first have to calculate this idea of annual value. Okay? Remember this term, huh? annual value. What is it really trying to do? Okay, it is essentially an estimate by the taxation board on the amount of rental value this particular property can get. Okay, so to contextualize it, it is essentially not about how much your property can fetch you when you sell it in today's price. It is more important about the net rental value that you can get. Okay, estimated net rental value you can get. And then this will become the annual value. And based on the annual value, you are taxed. Uh, interesting, uh, Singapore property market. But then you ask me, so what are the different factors? Okay. <laughs> And if you go around the internet, right, nobody can tell you anything, right? So the different factors ranging from size la, to location, la, blah, blah, blah. Essentially, how popular your property is, la, how, how, much, how much rental value you can get. But all you need to know now, this is a black box. No one really knows what is the formula. It's not open. It is an estimation, right? So you can always check with IRAs, you know, check with HDB on like what is your annual value. But the reality is you have to take the value as what it is. Right? So whatever value they give you is what it is. This is a black box. You cannot dispute it. It's very hard. Okay, maybe you can ask your neighbor, lah, right? If your neighbor get a different value, hey, why you stay level 10 your, your AV higher than mine, right? Maybe really level 10 is, I don't know. <laughs> higher value, a higher level can get more rent. I don't know, right? So if you dispute that, then maybe I think there's some room for dispute. Lah. But generally, this is a black box. It's an estimation. You don't really know. Everybody gives you some broad factors, size, location, blah, blah, it's hinging on your rental value of your property, okay? So after you have your annual value, okay? And uh, in 2020, let me give you an estimate, lah, okay? In 2020, about a four-room will have an annual value about 9.8,000 and a five-room will be about 10,000, thereabout. But because this is an estimation uh, based on the rent that you can fetch, okay? And also in an inflationary environment today, I'm very certain AV will be going up, okay? At least 4 to 5% following the CPI rates. Lah, huh? So as inflation move up, AV move up, your property taxes move up also. Wow, very talented. Everything keeps going up. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> it is what it is. It all hinges on AV. The divergence here is interesting. The divergence here is whether or not you stay in this property, right? So we, we have decided this is the annual value. How is property taxes then decided based on the annual value is whether you stay. If you stay, your property will be classified as owner-occupied. If you don't stay in this property, your value, your property will be decided as non-owner-occupied. Okay, so essentially that's what it is. And of course, the non-owner-occupied one, uh, the tax is much higher, right? Which you can go and calculate yourself. Just go to IRA's website. It's very, very simple. And all these are manifestation of the new policies and, you know, really just government trying to tax a little bit more on wealth, which I am a big supporter. I think, you know, we always just talk about income. We don't really talk about wealth. So I think this is a great, great one, right? Where... You know, there are all these people that own a few properties and they say they kill car every day at the Kopitiam down there doing nothing, right? 
<laughs> so I'm not talking about the few people that are relying on rental income. I mean, I get it. But there are all these like, you know, people that are wealthy and they own a lot of property. And all these people, you know, they are essentially getting discriminated in their tax because it is not owner-occupied. And the differential is quite big. Okay, go to IRA's website and see for yourself. Okay, and all in all, I would say, in other words, right, maybe your best bang for your buck right, is to stay in your five-room flat, rent out two rooms, and work as a freelancer agreement where your income is not denominated as income and uh, spend money in Malaysia. <laughs> I say one. I anyhow say one. Okay, don't quote me on this. Uh. Don't quote me, okay? With that, I'm gonna sum up today's episode the three big buckets of taxes that Singaporeans pay. Number one is consumption tax. Uh. This thing cannot run one, uh, GST. But interestingly, I think a lot of people don't realize that tariffs and import tariffs uh, also in some ways affect your life, right? So it affects your consumption, right? You pay more because of these tariffs. So yeah, if you have some time, you want to geek out on some of these things, please go for it. I'm not that bad. Uh, I, I'm not against raising GST, like in other words, right? But as long as the GST, after we raise it, we spend it well, there's a little bit of a balancing structure, all that lah. So GST cannot siam lah unless you come to Malaysia and spend, okay? <laughs> Point number two is income tax. If you work as a salary individual, your income tax is usually calculated by Sally from HR. It's not that difficult to understand, you know, but if you then participate in SRS or like CPF schemes, like contributing to your family CPF, you can get some sort of exemption or get some sort of tax rebate on the yearly taxes that you need to pay specifically for income tax, right? So this is quite interesting. You can check out my earlier episode to talk about this. And then one year earlier, you can scroll all the way back. Okay, interestingly, you need to know CPF is not taxable. Money in and money out of CPF is not taxable. Something you should remember. And something else you should remember is all your membership, like your bonus, your allowance. Uh, if, you're, if your company let buy you mandala membership or whatever, it all looks like free, right? They're all considered part of your allowance, right? So you actually can be taxed and uh, by right, you should be taxed, lah, right? even for your free membership. IRS has quite a simple calculator. Go for it. Which brings me to the third big bucket of tax that most Singaporeans will pay and that is rental income and ownership tax on your property, your property taxes. So for clarification's sake, your rental income will be included in part of your income tax structure. So it will be included in your overall income. So all add together how much income you make this year and then you will be decided on like, okay, which kind of income tax bracket. So you will kind of put that together with income tax. And the other one is the ownership tax. So essentially, the government will estimate the kind of annual value that you have for your property and then tax you lah. And of course, they will tax way more for non-owner occupied. Essentially, if you buy investment property, your tax is much higher lah, which I will support. Okay? So with that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more fun interesting when shared, debated and discussed. So join our community telegram group. I know it's tax season. You may have a lot of different things that you own. Whatever <laughs> you want, anything you want to ask, please come to our telegram group. We're getting more activity. I'm very happy about it. So yeah, I hope to see you on our telegram group. I will see you next week. 
Okay, so yeah, today's episode, I know it's about taxes and uh, I'm recording it, so not <laughs> not that you can avoid tax or that, uh, but just to give you a bit of clarity on the broader tax landscape because I know sometimes, you know, when we are just grinding it out on a day-to-day basis and then once in a while we receive the IRS letter, we say, huh, we smell kids motor tax, right? So that's, I, I know, I had that kind of experience before when I first started, right? So so I get it, I get it. Um, yeah, and and... With the broader landscape, probably you can kind of get a bit of clarity on like maybe some things you can optimize. You know, don't say I say, right? Don't, don't quote me. It's up to you to, to, to kind of think a little bit about. Okay, If you have any uh, text-relevant questions, you can always come to our Telegram group and uh, I'm sure there are things that I also am learning on the way. So yeah, come to our Telegram group and ask. So we, we somehow, somehow in our Telegram group, I realized there are a lot of experts Right, whether is it the Peter from Mortgage Master or whether it's Key from Investment Modes, Victor from Xverse, you know, a lot of them they all exist within our Telegram group. So that's very interesting. If any question you drop it there, someone will answer, or you know, I will be able to text someone to help you answer that. So yeah, very happy that they are willing to come to our Telegram group and help us learn together. So yeah, you know, drop your questions there if you have any text related questions um next week i want to spend some time to talk a little bit about growth stocks okay the situation here is um recently i went to speak at a few events and there were a lot of uh, genuine lack of understanding of why growth stocks are dying you know or why are they sold down so badly at this point in time because a lot of them are just going to die right if they're going to die that means the, the, the value of the company is going to get to zero right so a lot of them are going to struggle and yeah next week i'm going to give you some reasons why why it's like that and maybe a few things to look out for whether the company can tie through okay during this hard time so yeah that will be next week see ya